0: Welcome to our fifth and final episode of the Wellness from Home podcast series. The Wellness from Home podcast series is all about knowledge and skills that we can offer to help you be effective while you're working remotely and for you to either start or maintain your healthy habits. Before we begin this episode of the podcast series and introduce our guest, a few websites that you can use to take advantage of towards your health and wellness goals include first our join JoinZestWellness.com link. This is where you can enroll in the Zest Wellness platform, which is powered by Virgin Pulse. We also have another link, which is ZestWellnessCGI.com. This is where you can find our prior podcast episodes, as well as our webinars and our blog. And then lastly, you can also find Zest Wellness on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our guest for this podcast episode, our fifth and final one with the Wellness from Home podcast series is with Donovan from our Zest Wellness team. His personal health philosophy is the following. Why wait for tomorrow when you can start today? When he's not playing tennis, he's either eating his favorite vegetable, which is spinach, or he's reading his favorite book, which is The Alchemist. That said, here's the episode with Donovan. So first and foremost, Donovan, welcome, and thank you for, for taking the time to speak with us today. Nathan, it's
1: always a pleasure to speak with you, and it always is a pleasure to, to voice my, um, my interest and my, my passion with ASS members
0: and we can we can start many different ways in terms of, of healthy habits and and keeping them uh while times may be different and we have to adapt but something that uh we all have in common is we have to um be mindful of of the way we prepare food and how we cook um so with your strengths and with your background, let's jump into it with the uh, the question of for those listening who have to cook more often now because they're at home, um, what do you, how how can they improve? What do you say to someone who might not be experienced in cooking or, or good at cooking, if you will, how can they, how can they navigate those waters?
1: Well, in truth, if, if someone's not good with cooking or can't cook at all, it, it may be difficult for them to cook <laughs> in any sense. But um, I always encourage persons who have never cooked before or have limited experience to give it a try. You know, cooking can sometimes be very meditative. I find it very meditative personally. Um, I find it very thrilling when the meal comes or looking so exquisite. Uh, but most importantly, I find it thrilling that I know that I've prepared a meal myself and I know exactly where those ingredients came from. So I do encourage persons to utilize um, resources that are online from free recipes. It's very, very easy to follow. Uh, we have um, recipe databases like Zupongo, which we use part, as part of our Zest Wellness program. But d- that definitely there's so many other resources like um, MyFitnessPal my or um, CookingLike.com, which is one of my favorites, in fact. Um, I like my like.com because... Not only does it give the ingredients and the preparation, it also identifies with the nutrition facts of the meal so that um calorie value per serving size the the fat value the sodium value the so the, the sugar value the, the um the protein values which are also very important for us to understand when preparing them um if you are not adventurous at all and you know you're gonna mess up something in, in the preparation or you're not confident that you're gonna do it well, then I say do it as a team. You know, um you are at home with family members at this current time or at at some point in time in life. And what we should do is share those responsibilities. Have someone responsible for dicing up the herbs and the vegetables. Have someone responsible for the frying and the baking. Have someone responsible for the protein versus someone else responsible for the carbohydrates. And I think the shared responsibility, creates a bonding experience, while at the same time, you're not overwhelmed with preparing the entire meal, but preparing portions of the meal that you can still feel satisfied that you contributed to. Now, for the extreme cases, where right, you definitely are not going by the stove, you're not gonna be a part of a team cooking a meal, then there are other resources. There are, are um, catering services that, um, that are provided in various jurisdictions. I know we have one in the Bahamas, Shadow Tower vendor, Fine Foods 242, who does um, catering of gourmet meals. Uh, and these are healthy meals that he delivers right to your doorsteps. So for those who have period of time, um, and there are limited resources to cook or the inability of cooking, then I would then suggest utilizing these meal prep options as your first resource. But definitely I really do encourage persons to avoid that fear, get past that fear and get behind the stove as best as they can. And remember fruits and veg will be the basis of any healthy meal.
0: That's yeah. Like just for, for persons to know that catering can be healthy um is is such a an awesome takeaway point right um, and who doesn't like
1: a gourmet meal prepared by a, a chef right I, I wish i had a chef in my house every day <laughs> sometimes i get frustrated with cooking myself but um the, the joy in it is that you know that you're putting something good into your body that's, that's going to provide some nourishment for the muscles and the, the body to respond in a positive way you know
0: yeah and then Domin, when you're you mentioned uh, the importance of cooking and, and being aware of the ingredients behind a meal. Um, from your experiences and, and what you've learned, um, let, let's say, like, are there any type of uh, ingredients that you thought were healthy but aren't? Or if you're looking at a food label, is there anything in particular you're looking for or things that uh, are are some things you've learned? in terms of maybe maybe uh life hacks when it comes to ingredients and, and being uh being educated in, in that topic
1: wow that's a, a, a that's such a overwhelming discussion right now. <laughs> yeah
0: there's
1: uh, so many things i can i can contribute to that answer but well um, some things that really stick out to help answer that question Um, One is um, incorporating certain ingredients on a regular basis. I I like to incorporate um, herbs. So things like rosemary, cilantro, thyme, um, oregano, fresh herbs from a fresh garden, because uh, there's a lot of research that says that these um, herbs act similar to green leafy vegetables. So green leafy vegetables like kale and spinach and lettuce and cabbage or Brussels sprouts those are very healthy for us because they provide so much forms of um, iron, B vitamin, magnesium, and calcium. And and the nutrient list goes on in terms of what they supply to the body. But those similar nutrients found in those green leafy vegetables can also be found in our fresh herbs. In fact, if members don't have fresh herbs from from a garden, they can go into their pantry. And if they have dried herbs in bottles like um, the dried oregano, the dried rosemary, the dried mixed herb um, collection, um, the Italian seasonings, those those tend to be very effective in, in supplementing the body with calcium. And I, I want to hound on that because right now in this current state, you know, we are in a, an, an interesting period in life where we are practicing social distancing because of the coronavirus. Um, we are not getting possibly enough sun exposure. And um, for those who may not know, sun exposure helps with the supplement of the body with vitamin D. It helps with muscle muscle growth and also uh, bone health. But if we're not getting that exposure, then we're limiting our vitamin D, um, vitamin D intake. But beyond that, even those who are getting sufficient vitamin D, maybe you're going aside for about 15 minutes a day, if you're not supplying your body with enough calcium, you're definitely limiting the, um, the, the utilization of the vitamin D because your calcium levels are low. So these, these green leafy veg and also these herbs help to supplement the body to ensure that we're getting sufficient amount of calcium in the body. Um, but calcium is very effective not only for vitamin D, for, for skin and bone health, but for so many other mechanisms, biological mechanisms in the body. Uh, one of the other mechanisms is ensuring that the metabolism stays fast. And right now we are very sedentary because we're not moving about as much. We're not in office spaces, walking from our desk to a coffee, coffee uh, cop- photocopier. We're not going upstairs. We're not walking from a parking lot into a building or, or, or reverse from the building to the parking lot. So we're not getting as many steps as we possibly want. We're not as active as you possibly want to be. So definitely we want to make sure that we are getting sufficient calcium so that our metabolism stay as active as they possibly can during this lockdown period. Um, Another thing I want to uh, um, add to that question is ingredients in terms of being aware of. When identifying ingredients, one of the most important things is reading the nutrition label of everything you put into your pot everything you put into the frying pan, anything you put into the the oven or the baker, or anything you put into a magic bullet to blend. Um, I say that because the nutrition facts tells us whether or not we're consuming enough portions or portion sizes, but additionally it tells us the right portion size for the nutrients that we may be deficient in and or nutrients that we may may be over-consuming. And um, daily value helps us to understand that a lot more particularly. So for those who do not know how to read a nutrition label, pay attention to daily value. Daily value of 5% or less is considered low. That's 5% or less is low when it's daily value. Now, when identifying daily value that is high, daily values of 20% or more is considered high. So we definitely don't want things like sodium, or fats, total fats, saturated fats, or um um trans fats to be greater than twenty percent. We de- technically don't really want them to be greater than five percent, to be honest with you, because at five percent or less, it's that, that 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 green light on a traffic light, which means go. Um, between five and twenty percent, it's an orange light on that traffic light, which means caution. It's approaching high. And definitely if the daily value is 20% or more, that's that red light on a traffic light that means you need to stop right now because you're overconsuming. So if the sodium effects are even at 12 or 15% daily value, although not high, it is approaching high. So we definitely want to be cautious of those things. But things that we do want to be high, 20% or more would be things like fiber, or proteins, you know, things that are gonna really help to support the body. But it's a lesson uh, and and an extended conversation. If you need more information on this, please research the UK daily value um, 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 information. Uh, They have traffic light information now to help us understand the nutrition labels a little bit better. So if you want to Google traffic light nutrition labels, the United Kingdom and Europe, and again, a whole lot of information that explains what's high, what's low for daily value, and how the traffic light is now being implemented for us to understand um the, the good range and then the bad range.
0: Yeah, that's man, that's that's uh that's some serious uh some seriously awesome uh information right there with with Thank labels. You. Um if if we transitioned on in this conversation to um you know because we you know, we talked about meals and 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 cooking but but you know snacks um perhaps there's snacks we want to avoid while we're at home um do you mind commenting on that Uh maybe yeah. and, and how to snacks to avoid but then also be, it'd be nice to hear your take on if when you when you when we when you open up when we, when we open up this conversation of snacks, if you can maybe touch on uh, the nutrition label, anything you can kind of talk about with that, because maybe that's that's going to be so new to people that even if right. sodium only says they think it only says twenty percent on the label, twenty percent is actually high. Um, right. so feel free to just kind of open the conversation on snacks, please.
1: Well, Nathan, I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> I'm not much of a snack person, uh, in truth. And um, I, I I am like the Grinch that stole Christmas when it comes to um, snacks. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. Because if you leave it up to me to decide whether or not a snack is necessary or not, I will say a snack is not necessary at all. Unless that snack happens to be a fruit. And that's just because I know um, typically human behavior uh, we are very, very. it's very, very difficult for us to say no to things that we overly enjoy, you know? So although we want to restrict ourselves or we say we're going to only eat these things during a certain period of time, we can't always be guaranteed that we are going to commit to what we say we're going to limit ourselves to when it is nice, you know? So the best rule of thumb is, um, especially for those who, who, who can't uh, be, Self reliant on themselves to say no or to stop at a certain point is avoid them completely. So, for those of you who have trouble eating snacks at home and you want to discontinue that, my best suggestion to you would be don't buy snacks. And I say this to a lot of parents because their conversations are well, I have to buy snacks because my kids need them for their lunch. In fact, there's a lot of research that's, that says that kids shouldn't really be eating junk foods like potato chips or Cookies or um, sweet beverages. Um, These things actually um, directly affect kids' health later in life. There's a lot of research that says that if um, kids are consuming sugared beverages or uh, foods high in sugars and sodium earlier in life, and this is usually before the age of five, they have a great likelihood that they're saying two to three times times fold um, increase in likelihood of getting type 2 diabetes by the age of 30. And we don't want that our society. We don't want to grow up kids that are um, definitely going to get diabetes. We want to protect them from these things. So by protecting them, we have to avoid putting these things in the house. And by avoiding these things being placed in the house, the adults are also affected. And that, that lessens the likelihood of, their, of them consuming these types of snacks whilst they are at home. And I want you to be mindful of the snacks. And, and Nathan, you, you posed a very valid point in terms of, nutrition facts and reading labels when it comes to snacking. Because a lot of times when we read, well, so a lot of times when we consume these snacks, we're not reading the labels. And that means that if we're not reading the labels, chances are we are consuming two to three times more than the nutrition facts states. If you read the nutrition label, usually one of the first two things that are listed is servings and serving size. Now, if a bag of chips says that a half of a cup is the serving size, and that bag has five servings, I would suggest if you are going to snack, separate that big bag of chips into five smaller servings, so when you grab that smaller serving, you're not over-consuming. We have to be very mindful of this, especially in this sedentary period during this lockdown period because if we're not moving enough we're not burning a lot of calories so we definitely need to try to avoid these snacks as best as we can and as often as we can i would suggest if you have a snack craving though go for fruit first choose the chips the cookies the sweet beverages or any um, sugar beverages choose them those things last or not at all Again, if you can avoid it, don't buy them. And if you have to, separate them so they're in the right portion size in baggies or foil paper or whatever storage method you want to use so that when you or your kids go to grab them, they're not you or them are not over-consuming and you're eating the right portion size. But most importantly, read the label of every snack in the house identify what the portion size is so that you know exactly how much you should be consuming and how much you should not be consuming.
0: Yeah, because now now you bring up uh, another key point, it sounds, is, uh, is portion sizes. Right. And, I, and that's one of the hardest things for us to,
1: to um, reflect on as human beings. In fact, There are research that says that if we are over-consuming for long periods of time, let's say someone that uh, tends to eat larger volumes of meals than they need to on a regular basis, if they've been doing this for almost a year, getting them to reduce the portion size is very difficult because it's a mindset. Uh, Your body has a mindset that the food has to be a certain volume you look at it or else you're not going to be full or you're not going to be satisfied. Then there's also the, the biological aspects of it. In fact, Um, When we consume smaller portions than we're we're particularly used to, it takes a while for that signaling signaling mechanism between the brain and the stomach to tell the stomach, hey, you don't need to put any more food, or tell the brain, hey, I don't want any more food, you know? So there is a signaling mechanism between the brain and the stomach. Both of them are communicating with each other when we're consuming foods or when when we start to develop the feeling of hunger. And we want to make sure that our mechanism is in line with what we should be consuming. Um, In fact, when we are transitioning from a larger portion size to what should be our standard smaller portion sizes, or the accurate portion size, I should say, um, we want to give our bodies at least two weeks to transition with normality. Um, When you go from a large portion size to a smaller portion size, that very first day, you might be hungry right after the meal, and that's that's a given. But it is important um, to establish the feeling of fullness. You need to ensure that it is a balanced meal. And a balanced meal means that half that plate is the vegetable serving, 25% of that plate is the high-fiber serving, and another 25% is the lean protein serving. So it's a 25-25-50 ratio of foods, but 50% of that plate should be vegetables. Or 50% should be a serving a vegetable with a portion of fruit. Now, that portion of fruit is very important as well. And if individuals are missing that fruit, I encourage them to consume the fruit with the meal, with the vegetables, with the high fiber carbohydrates. And so notice I'm being very specific when I say high fiber, high fiber carbs, main proteins, and vegetables with fruit. Because I want you to know that you just shouldn't be eating any form of carbs or any form of protein or any form of vegetables or any form of um, an assortment of fruit. I want you to know specifically that it needs to be fiber-based lean proteins with vegetables because that really helps to establish that feeling of fullness. But remember, balanced meals, remember portion sizes are very important, but limit the amount of foods on the plate. Give your body some time to adjust with the reduction in size. And I promise you that signaling mechanism will catch up and eventually you will find that you are getting full before you even consume the meal or midway through the meal based on the serving size. So limit your portion size, give your body some time to adjust, but remember, balance meals and portion size of the right nutrients, but also making you feel full and satisfied.
0: Yeah, so, so it sounds like portion sizes and uh, a balanced meal they go those two st- uh, tips or strategies they go hand in hand
1: they definitely um, hand in like, hand it's like it's like nathan and donovan like the duo of champions <laughs>
0: yes 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 um and then Don, help help us understand um you mentioned and and you nicely acknowledge that you know hey the reality is that when you change uh, or when you adjust your portion sizes because, you know, everyone is maybe burning less calories because they're more sedentary while they're at home. Um, help us understand. You mentioned it is, you know, you, 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 it might feel different, but that's okay. And your body will indeed get used to it over a few days is what you were kind of mentioning.
1: Correct. And I think too, what happens is we so, we may be used to eating heavy foods, like um, just, um, rice and proteins, no vegetables, or um, pasta, or um, heavy, heavy meals, like um, soups that have a whole lot of different exotic meats inside of them, inside of them you know, or fried foods, and these things tend to be more satisfying, we we know they are, because sauce and um, butters or oils make foods taste glorious, and we know that. And these things tend to be served in high volumes of of servings and also they they tend to be very unhealthy for us. But if we establish this balanced meal structure by having lean meats, high fiber, but most importantly our vegetables, we are not only cleansing the body and also cleansing our, 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 our metabolism, at the same time, we are restricting the amount of bad ingredients you're putting into the body these things take time though it takes time to adjust with being satisfied with a meal that is a balanced meal versus a greasy meal of chicken and fries you know um, burger and fries always sounds way more attractive it sounds way more filling in, in, in the mindset but in experience and through my personal wellness journey i've realized that by consuming these uh Portion plates or balanced meals, not only will I establish a feeling of fullness right after consuming the meal, but I've realized, and this is also through scientific research, there's a lot of research that says by establishing these balanced meals versus the burger and fries or anything relevant or similar to it, what, what happens is we establish a feeling of fullness immediately after a meal, but additionally, that feeling of fullness. Lasts for longer than an hour to an hour and a half. So it can, that feeling of fullness can even last for up to three hours, which we want to establish. When we're consuming meals and we feel like, oh, we have a feeling of fullness right after the meal, but then your feeling of fullness goes away within 30 minutes, you start to get hungry and peckish. That's not what we want because what you're going to do is you're going to overconsume. Every day, and then you're gonna go right back into the snacking. That pantry with those snacks and maybe portion or note in the right portions, you're gonna go back and get another portion of less snack because you feel like you need more. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is by establishing a balanced meal, it does feel like you need more at the start of it all, but eventually, when you make it a routine and you are consistent with that balanced meal at every mealtime, ex breakfast, balanced meal at lunch a balanced meal at dinner if you do that repetitively for at least 7 days up to 2 weeks by 2 weeks your body will be adjusted and that feeling of fullness will be established either midway or by the end of the meal but that feeling of fullness feeling of fullness will last way beyond finishing the meal and it should last at least 2 to 3 hours after the meal avoiding snacks
0: and okay Dom, so uh i think it'd be nice you did okay so we just talked about portion sizes uh, as one of the main kind of keywords just now and earlier when you were talking about the power of uh herbs you nicely actually mentioned some some actual names of 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 uh of different herbs that that you enjoy and that you uh that you recommend so in terms of let's put ourselves in the, the shoes of someone who's maybe not used to even uh, cooking with vegetables because you mentioned the the incorporation of vegetables for a balanced meal. What are, from from your take, um, and you're maybe kind of an introduction to your world, what are some vegetables or, or, or maybe even fruits for all I know, but what are some vegetables that you just love uh, cooking with that we wouldn't have, have thought like, oh, you can cook with, so and so vegetable—I I never know you could put that on a frying pan. So, yeah, like it, I know it's maybe a more of a of a comical question, but what are some vegetables that you just think are are uh, so nice to to cook with?
1: Uh, it's too many to name, and I, if I name some of them, um, some of our listeners might not know, which is a good thing because I it might inspire them. But I'll give you a, an idea. Of something I made this week, actually. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of zucchini. I, I won't lie to you. Uh, sometimes it tastes a bit too watery, and the baked, uh, if they're stir fried, they get a bit too soggy. Uh, so I don't always enjoy them. But I I eat them only because I know they're they're good for me. Now I've found an interesting way of making my zucchini that may not be the healthiest, but still enjoyable, right? So I've discovered fried zucchini. And it's a very simple recipe. I just take my zucchini, I cut them up into dice form, large dice forms, and I sprinkle a little bit of salt and pepper over them. I um, have an egg bowl, so I have whipped eggs, I dip them in quickly and transfer to flour with some olive oil. I um, pan sear them until they're a little bit brown on each side and then serve. And I find the zucchini so much more enjoyable, and I'm getting my protein from my eggs at the same time. So it, it makes my meal more enjoyable. If you find that you have any vegetables that you pr- primarily do not enjoy right now, then my encouragement would be to find ways in preparing them so that you do enjoy. Them. So traditionally, the way um, things are prepared are not always the only way they need to prepare. It. I, I hear all the time, people person say, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I actually like Brussels sprouts, to be honest with you. And that's because I found a way to make them that are very healthy. I take the Brussels sprouts, I cut them in half, sprinkle some um, salt and pepper again over them with some olive oil. And the key to it is lemon, freshly squeezed lemon over it. I throw that in the oven for about 20 to 25 minutes. I promise you, if you try your Brussels sprouts in that method, you will totally enjoy them. Then there are other things like um, bok choy. Um, I know some persons may not know what bok choy is. It is actually another form of green leafy vegetables. And I found an interesting recipe to make with bok choy, which is a bok choy and turkey meatball soup. And it's very interesting. Take my turkey, uh, ground turkey, roll them into balls after I'm seasoning them. I I saute them down in the pan so they're, they're partially cooked but not fully cooked. And I add some chicken broth to a, a, a saucepan, or no, sorry, a, a large boiling pan, uh, boiling pot, sorry. I I toss my bok choy in there, and I toss my meatballs in there, and you can even add some um, tortellinis inside there. As is those pastas with the cheese stuffed inside of them. You bring it to a boil, and once everything is cooked, you serve and enjoy. And I think that meal is so enjoyable for me personally because the chicken broth helps to fill me up with the actual hotness and and, and, and liquid, but I'm getting my balanced meal structure. I'm getting some some carbs from the tortellini and getting my protein from the meatballs, but definitely I'm getting my vegetables from that bok choy. So my encouragement to you is to explore those recipe pages find recipes that you enjoy if you've never tried a vegetable before do not be shy to try it for the first time but make it in a way that you like it if you tried it and you didn't like it one time try it a hundred different ways until you find the way you like
0: it most so i wrote down uh, i just wrote down zucchini like three really cool uh like we always chat about practical sides zucchini brussels sprouts bok choy um, right, as things that that Donovan uses uh, in his daily life. Um, Don, before we we ask uh, our final question about um, kind of you know weight management during this time, do you mind? Because ugh, that was so nice when you just shared uh, that kind of real life experience with uh, with the, the soup preparation you made. But do you mind if we ask what's kind of one more uh, meal or type of meal? that that you use that we could kind of learn from you can walk us through hey you put this in you put that in you put this in the oven you you put this on your salad any kind of uh yeah like explain to us more about uh what are your maybe favorite type of meals or some uh, that really practical side of things
1: all right so nathan my key code to staying slim and healthy i'll I'll give you that okay um as a nutritionist. I am fascinated by green leafy vegetables. I I, I think the biology of them are amazing, you know, in terms of how they support the human body and how they make the human body so much more healthier, so much more responsive, and they help to grow the human body in terms of regeneration of cells. So I I focus a lot on green leafy veg in in, in every capacity, and that's from spinach to broccoli to um, bok choy to to uh, brussels sprouts but one of the lost ideas of green leafy vegetables on um supplementation this is a cheat code i drink green tea at least twice a day my green tea without any sugar without any um, milk sometimes i might enjoy a squeezable lemon inside of it but it's a cheat code nathan and i'm telling you this because there's a lot of research that says that if you consume green tea, a cup of green tea, it is equivalent, the antioxidants you consume is equivalent to that of eating the right portion size of fruit. So technically, the World Health Organization is telling us that if we consume 3 cups of green tea per day, one cup at breakfast, one cup with lunch, and one cup with dinner, we are actually consuming three of the six servings of fruits and vegetables we need on a daily basis. And in fact, the, the research on green tea alone is so phenomenal that it helps to support weight loss, it helps to support a great immune system, it helps with um, antiseptics, um, antiseptics in the body, um, it helps to kill um, uh, bacteria in the gut that are bad bacteria and supports the gut to ensure that those fauna and flora, those probiotics, are growing in a more more positive environment so that it keeps the digestive system healthy. And why that is important is that helps with um, nutrient exchange across the gut lining, but also it helps to speed up our metabolism. And speeding up the metabolism, again, a very important part of human behavior a very important part of human survival is a faster, uh, healthy metabolism. So, I encourage persons drink your green tea. If you're not going to have your vegetables, at least drink green tea. And there's a lot of research. Not only on green tea, in fact, the research that goes research show that in comparison of green tea to black tea to white teas, the range of antioxidants highest to lowest are white teas, green tea. And black tea. And lastly, herbal teas are also very effective. But the most effective is white tea, green tea, and black tea. So if you're not going to consume green tea, try a white tea, try a black tea, or if you have to, try a herbal tea. But my importance to you is try your teas, consume your teas regularly so that you can slim down your waistline line, and, and um, speed up your metabolism, but at the same time, establish a healthier
0: lifestyle. Okay. so. So I I just wrote down that if if I'm if I'm not feeling uh, green tea that day uh, white tea and and what was the other type of tea that you mentioned, Jonathan? That are that are cool. nice substitutes.
1: Black teas. So there's there's a brand black of black tea. tea called Earl Grey. Earl Grey is a black tea. Um, I think mean, there are very different forms of Earl Grey. So they have like the Lady Earl Grey. They have regular Earl Grey. Or um, for those who are uh, Bahamians, we are all familiar with Lipton tea.
0: awesome and then and then you mentioned twice so far in this conversation with lemon so you mentioned earlier that um uh you uh lemon when you're making the, the zucchini uh when you're cooking with zucchini you'll kind of sprinkle some some lemon juice on there and then you mentioned with your tea you will sometimes use uh some lemon juice in the tea so maybe what's what's out of curiosity what's one other uh time that you use uh lemon juice in your in your day to day that's that sounds really interesting it's like a little uh and and no pun intended but that you're kind of zesting zestifying things with <laughs> lemon juice. Got it I've been
1: zestified.
0: Yeah. Is there yeah, do I, you do you put like lemon juice on your salads to kind of spice things up yeah. a little bit?
1: I actually, I actually tend not to use any salad dressings on my on my salads at all. But that's the extreme. I'm, I'm not saying that's the way everyone should be eating it, but definitely if you want to avoid the salad dressing, um, squeezing a bit of lemon onto the salads is, is very helpful. And I like lemon in my teas or my vegetables because it adds flavor. You know, it, it does reduce the the need for having more salt or more sugar. And so by adding the lemon, it, 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 it kind of tricks the mind into thinking, I have something more than just what is good for me, you know? So it, it kind of creates that flavoring so you enjoy it a little bit better. And I encourage persons to flavor their foods in the way they want to flavor it, but I encourage them to flavor, it in, in, flavor the foods in a healthy means. Try to avoid sugars, try to avoid salt, because we know those things are detrimental for our body.
0: Awesome. And now for our, for our last few moments together, um, what you know, you're being you're you're at home, one's trying to be healthy, but it's for the most part, if you're at home, it's much easier to be more sedentary, uh, therefore easier for instances of of weight gain. So, um, in terms of weight loss, Donovan, maybe what's safe um, if we said the number uh, five pounds each week as, as a nice round number is is that safe or how do we how do we kind of best go about our weight weight loss and, and most importantly uh be safe
1: about it all right so what i encourage persons is not
0: not to aim for five
1: pounds every week i mean if there is a week that you happen to get five pounds lost then congratulations to you keep going try and put in your best effort and i'm trying to try to see more weight loss don't give up right? and don't reverse the the weight loss with weight gain. But safe weight loss is never five pounds per week. It's it's more around one to two pounds per week. So I really encourage persons if you're aiming for weight loss, try to limit your weight loss to one to two pounds a week because a lot of research says that it's safe. And beyond it being safe, your, your likelihood of keeping the weight off is greater if it's one to two pounds. If it's five pounds, it's less likely that you're going to keep the weight off and you're probably going to put on more weight over time. But um, when regulating or trying to establish weight loss, I really encourage persons not to be focused on weight itself. I think what you should be more focused on how your body feels. You know, you should be focused on the response your body's giving you based on these new habits in terms of eating healthy or exercising. And your body really speaks to us. If, if your body's in, in pain or you feel discomfort or you feel lethargic, your body's telling you something that's based on some. Um, behavior or activity that you're participating in that your body's responding to and listen to your body and another thing is don't focus so much on weight if you have any resource that can tell you percent body fat or uh, a measurement of percent body fat that's definitely the best best way to go and for those of us at home who may not have access to measuring percent body fat I say, take a measuring tape, um, like something you use to uh, for tailoring or um, suit making or um, dress making, or um, what nurses use in a, in a hospital. Take the measuring tape, measure the waistline from the belly belly button straight around to the back, and try to improve that waist circumference. That, uh, measuring from the belly button and around is a measurement of the waist circumference, and waist circumference is a direct indicator of whether or not you are at risk of chronic diseases like hypertension and diabetes, and most importantly, cancer. So use the measuring tape, measure the waist circumference around the belly button to the back. And as the weeks go by, try to improve that waist circumference by at least a half an inch to an inch each week.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's so much more to the, to the weight management story than, than just the scale. And that number on the scale, isn't there? There's, there's, there's things that go deeper, like um, percent body fat and, and like um, what is what are some safe numbers and some safe goal setting each week. And I, I find that members
1: get very discouraged by tracking those numbers too. So I, I, I tell you, don't worry about the number. Really just listen to your body. Listen how your body is responding back to you. And if you develop that relationship with your body, you're going to find that your weight loss is improved way more than stepping on a scale measuring your percent body fat or knowing your waist circumference.
0: Fantastic. Um so that's great, Don, and let's let's end on that note. But before we do, because we did talk about um uh so, so many seriously uh serious and and effective uh topics, everything from cooking um, to practical herbs, fruits, vegetables, to, to balanced meals, to portion sizes, um, to, to weight management. But if you were to just kind of emphasize any of the points that you've brought up and just kind of mention it one more time, um, how would you kind of maybe wrap things up in a single sentence that we can really once again emphasize in our brains for everyone who's been listening right now to what you've you've
1: Okay well, in, in one sentence I'll try my best. Oh, so what two, just like what would you just kind of
0: <laughs> want to re-emphasize to all of us to help with our, our long-term learning from what we've heard from you.
1: Okay. What I what I would like to say in, in ending is that uh, with the COVID-19 situation and um, coronavirus, it puts the world in a very interesting situation. In fact, in thoughts of it, it could be very negative if you think about COVID 19 and how we're isolating ourselves when we're practicing social distancing and we're not, um, not able to interact with persons. So it could be discouraging for a lot of people. But I want you to see the positive in it all because we can utilize this, this time to reverse all of the bad things that were happening in our lives. We could plan out our lives a bit better. We could put more strategy to what we want to do more effectively when it comes to our wellness journey. And I think the world has a a great opportunity to reduce the chances of the obesity epidemic we're faced with. Each country can um, strategically plan a bit better with persons buying less uh, fast foods and eating more meals at home. We have a great chance to improve our public health system beyond the coronavirus, Uh, but it it relies on each individual. Uh, What I encourage you to do is Listen to the tips of this podcast. You know, uh, it's not just me communicating in this podcast with nutrition, but there are so many experts on our wellness team that, are, that have chimed in and gave us so much valuable information. I really encourage persons to take this information, make use of it in your own capacity. Um, some nutrition tips I reiterate again. Uh, get an herb garden if you can. If you can't, use those dried herbs in the pantry. Again, remember Balance meals and portion sizes are the way to go. Try not to miss meals and get creative with your meals. If you're not a cooker, if you're not a, a cooking expert or, or a chef, or you don't have no intentions of being anything of that. But I encourage you to use those recipe databases like Supongo and CookingLight.com. Utilize those free recipes and get creative. Become the chef that you are inside. You know, become the inner you. But most importantly, do what you
0: enjoy do what you enjoy and unleash your uh inner chef uh yeah. that's that's so uh so nice to hear so thank you uh for all of these this insight and and practical tips um for all of us to maintain our healthy habits while we're at home perhaps more than than usual
1: Thank you, Nathan. It was a pleasure speaking with you today, man.